Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Seeking Witchcraft. Today, I have on a special guest, Fiona Horn, author of the Team Magic Witchcraft for a New Generation book. She's going to be talking to us today about her book, and I'm really excited for her to be on. So, Fiona, thank you so much for joining the show today. Please feel free to introduce yourself to the listeners. Thank you for having me, Ashley. I'm um, very grateful, and thank you for uh, talk, mentioning my new book, Teen Magic. Um, it's my 14th book, so my wow, introduction wow. would be: I am um, I'm a practicing witch. I've been uh, for decades, and uh, I've written 14 books on the subject. And I'm also a musician and pilot. I work as a commercial pilot, and um, I feel that uh, in introducing myself. I would like to offer to people that uh, I hope I'm an example of a journey of, of the craft, a path that I walk that can share tools for living as a witch and as a happy human. And if that's what comes across in my books and in the way I live my life and it can in, maybe inspire and enrich others' lives, then I feel like I'm living a useful life as a witch. That's amazing. You know, as an aside, I, I have two friends who are witches who also are pilots. So you are the third female witch pilot that I know. <laughs> I, I love that. I, I remember when my boss, uh, when I was doing a check ride for one of my jobs that I was flying over in the Caribbean, I was flying for a um, a smaller on-demand charter airline and I was get, doing my check ride and the, the, the boss uh, said to me, um, he said, uh, now I, I saw something on social media that you uh, you're a witch, and I said, um, "Yes, sir, I am." And I, I mean, I'm taxiing to to hold it, you know, and take off. And um, and he said, "Well, I don't care what you call yourself as long as you can operate the airplane safely." And I said, "Thank you, sir." I said, it, <laughs> "It's uh, it's a little more complicated than a broomstick, but I'll do my best." And that was the joke, and <laughs> and I got the job. I would pass my check right, and I got the job. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I need, I need to tell my friends about that joke. <laughs> yeah. So, so you mentioned that you have 14 books. I mean, wow, <laughs> that, that's, that's quite incredible on top of being a pilot and also being in a band. And uh, you had also mentioned to me that you have an Oracle deck as well uh, called Magic of yeah, You. Yeah. The Oracle deck um, came out uh, fairly recently around, you know, I have a wonderful publishers now, Rockpool Publishing, and they gave me the opportunity back in 2015 to write again. I'd taken a break because yeah, working as a pilot, all the study, the, the the training, it was years of building the hours. And um, I certainly didn't write books in that period. There was a break of about seven years that I didn't write books. And Rockpool approached me in 2015 and said, we'd like to, you know, publish you. And they published my autobiography, The Naked Witch. They published Teen Magic. They published The Art of Witch, which was, which was my manifesto of witchcraft, and also Magic of You Oracle. And so these babies, I guess, of mine have, you know, been born in the last five, six, seven years, I guess, since 2015, um, when it all started. And the Oracle deck, uh, they said, we'd like you to do one. And I hadn't thought of doing one. I've read tarot for decades. I have the same tarot deck. It's uh, much, much, uh, much shuffled, well-loved, very, 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 very old. And but Oracle decks I'd not really used. I'd just been straight up tarot girl. And so I explored the use of Oracle before I created Magic of You. And I was really 
privilege to work with an amazing artist, a Colombian artist, Marcella Bolivar, and uh, we worked together and uh, wrote the Oracle deck. And it's it was published in 2019, and it just blows me away because you know on Instagram there'll be hashtag Magic of You Oracle, and there's just thousands of references to it. And I see people tagging it in Germany, Finland, the UK, America, uh, Spain. Um, Brazil like it's just all over the world Australia where I am now and um, I love that the that it's been a useful tool for transformation I I really wrote the deck for the reader to read for themselves and and to kind of do the shadow work where we we go within and, and wrestle with the hard stuff and I think as a practicing witch over all these years the the times that have been most rewarding along my path have been the darkest times because it really is in the darkest times we find the brightest star and I think that's one of the gifts of being a witch and willingly diving into the occult aspects of our path that which is hidden and secret is to find that really bright star and uh, so that the magic of your oracle kind of offers that through a journey of 36 cards and lessons and there's spells and rituals to go with each card so I'm, I'm really grateful that that's really touched people and and been so popular and then, yeah, the latest thing that I've been able to do with Rockpool has been uh, Teen Magic Witchcraft for New Generation. And so having that out in this last year has been um, wonderful for an opportunity to get, connect with newcomers to the craft now, um, but also people who are, you know, I've had a lot of adults who've read earlier books of mine reach out to me and say they're reading this book and and touching, you know, revisiting foundational practices. That's what I should really say. and and uh, reconnecting with the core of their craft and the other feedback I've had for Team Magic that I've really loved is that families are reading it you know parents carers will be reading it with their um with their children or the the uh children they're taking care of the young people they're taking care of I mean it's not it's not a book for like eight-year-olds per se I mean more more the sort of mature young person coming into the blossoming of their physical growth but uh there's lots of Lots of stuff in there for for just uh, families wanting to find a magical approach to living and raising a family as witches, and that's um, where I've had some beautiful feedback as well. Yeah, you know, I really I really enjoyed the book. I had the opportunity to go through it before we spoke today, and I I, I love that you had some great chapters in there addressing pretty much all aspects of things that teens can get involved with without any shame or pretending it doesn't exist. So for example, you have information there where you talk about drugs and sex. And I feel that some books targeted for teenagers might just completely avoid that topic, especially if they're targeted for teenagers practicing witchcraft. So I love that you mentioned that because that's real. That's that's something that teenagers do um, have some sort of experience or or at least are aware of. Yeah, it's, it's natural <laughs> and it's and it's um, essential where our physical forms are, are uh you know, in many ways uh, here to um, with a very strong procreation drive and that is part of the divine force that we we venerate our in our witchcraft. I mean, we, we formed from a, a nebulous origins are kind of formed from the practice of, you could even call them fertility cults even, you know, it's like um, we, we venerate the procreative forces of life um, and now as we evolve as humans in, you know, non-gender specific roles and um, non-binary roles as we evolve and that is expressed through the craft, we're still venerating the procreative forces of life as we see on the planet around us in nature, which which we honour and worship, you know. So I think it's uh, really important to just put that stuff in. And uh, I also think one of the chapters in this book that I've 
we've got feedback has been very useful as a chapter on social media and making it magical and dealing with cyberbullying and dealing with um, just there's just so much information out there. I mean, when I first was drawn to practicing the craft, it was back in the 80s. <laughs> you know, you didn't have any bloody internet or anything. These days it's just next level. Um, so much information and people can feel like they're drowning in it rather than it's floating them. So um, I kind of offer in that chapter a way to sort of work, sift through all the stuff that's out there online and find your tribe, find your community, trust your heart, trust yourself and evolve your own unique craft in this very busy, very populated world. Yeah, you know, I think my absolute favorite thing about this book was that you have the whole section on social media and talking about it because I think that's something that's very much missing in modern witchcraft books today that should definitely be addressed. I mean, you know, I think that peers, especially teenagers, I should say, have this pressure to feel that they need to have everything perfect. And and I think that's just, you know, part of becoming a teenager. And Mm. even though, and, you know, you talk a little bit about this in the book, but, you know, they could be surrounded by like-minded people who practice witchcraft, but they could also feel a little bit alone in this when they're seeing these people with 100,000 followers with these gorgeous altars on the internet and feeling like there needs to be some sort of facade that they need to keep up with. And this happens just in regular teenage life, you know, thinking of high school, trying to keep up with the mm. fashions and, you know, the next trendy thing. But then you have teenagers who is who are getting involved in witchcraft and seeing these beautiful altar tools made custom from Etsy and you know these expensive altar cloths and you know I think it could be hard as a teenager sometimes to not compare yourself to that but I think sometimes teenagers miss out on the on the the fact that a lot of the times with these beautiful aesthetic altars or tools or whatever they see on the internet that people are posting with these mass amount of followers is that the majority of these times, these are grown adults with jobs who can afford this type of, mm-hmm. of, of items and tools. And sometimes that kind of gets lost in translation. But, you know, I think that this can cause some self-doubt in, t- in teenagers or even anybody who practices the craft when they're first starting out because they might feel bad that they don't have the pretty assault or they don't have a tool or you know, it, it. I think that this is a an issue that that witches, especially young teenagers, can go through. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I, there's a section in the book about substitutions, like what do you do when you don't have the money to go out and buy all that expensive stuff? How can you forage and fossick in nature for magical tools? How can you use your pointed finger, your breath, you know, movement uh, to make magic? And it's equally, if not even more so, more valid than than you know, ordering something online and or walking into a shop and getting something. And, um, you know, I, the other part of the book that I think is relevant is um, conscious use of, a, a conscious and conscientious use of crystals because crystals are amazing and beautiful and incredible and born of our Mother Earth. And yet so many of them now that we have uh, access to in stores and online, it's particularly the really large, magnificent ones or the really impressive ones on those fancy expensive altars you're talking about, have come from very violent mining processes like fracking and uh, exploitation of our Earth's resources. And then we put them on our altar and worship them and and they're they're a symbol of suffering and crisis, a planet in crisis under the groaning weight of its, you know, mass population of humans. So, you know, it's it's good to think about that when you, you know, are your your crystals harvested humanely? Um, I offer that it's better to go for a walk out in nature and if you stub your toe on a rock and you look down and it's looking a bit shiny and you realise there's a, a little vein of quartz in the 
the rock, you've just kicked your toe on that, might be the crystal you take home and put on your altar, you know, not the not the one that you've gone into a shop and bought. So there's a whole section in the book about that and why that can make it magical, more magical potentially. Yeah, I, I do recall in the book you talk a bit about um, and, and various things, such as even things with food, for example, about, you know, making sure that you're getting things that are ethically sourced and, and that are mm-hmm. not taken in a violent manner. And I think it's important when talking about crystals that it is it is an important thing to seek out some that are not, um, you know, taken in such a violent way. Yeah, you can ask the store, like, where do you get your crystals from? Mm-hmm. And if they say, oh, we order them online from China or we order them online from blah, blah, then, you you know, you might rethink purchasing one there. Right. And, you know, as a teenager, I can also understand that some of these crystals are a little bit more expensive if you're getting them ethically sourced, uh, rightfully so, of course. And I think it's important to know that, uh, you know, quality over quantity is definitely a thing. And it's also important Mm. for young witches or people just getting involved in this that it's very easy to be tricked with the item that you're buying. For example, uh, in the States, we have stores like Michael's or Joann's where they sell little crystal Mm. chips inside of jars. And I I always see so (laughs) many people online buying those or they buy them off of Etsy. And unfortunately, Mm. people don't realize that that's nine times out of 10 glass. I've just found personally in all these years, I, you know, even back when in, you know, the late 80s, early 90s, when I put my first altar together and, you know, and let's consider my first book was published in 1998. So all those years ago, um, and I even back then was addressing how to, you know, have an, have an altar that was meaningful, magical and ethical. And um, it just felt intuitive to me and, and uh, it, it indicated to consider that. We honour nature as sacred, so why would we trash her? and stick that on our altars. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Um, but I, uh, it was just so different then. There wasn't the, the massive volume, not, not only of stuff that you could access online, but also um, just humans. I mean, our population is just next level, you know, now. Um, so we've got to think of the, just that, you know, the weight of us. Um, but, yeah, if you can consider, like I don't want to do any store out of any business, but if you can develop a re- relationship with somewhere where you are getting your tools and supplies and you can have, you know, open conversations and you can be prepared. Like I, If I get organic food, I'd rather go to the local produce store down the road and spend more on my locally grown vegetables that are not sprayed um, than go into Coles, which is our version of, you know, even Trader Joe's or uh, – or, or Whole Foods or whatever and, and buy stuff that's, um, you know, even though they're supposed to have organically sourced stuff, I'd still rather buy locally. You know what I'm saying? Just keep it close to home, support your local environments, be connected with your local environment. Even if you live in an urban environment, you're still on the planet in a specific spot that resonates an energy that you're aligned with. And um, if as witches we honour that nature is sacred and we recognise that um, our role in society it could be quite convincingly argued that we are here to serve and help which is a evolved of a time that we were the original healers the midwives the herbalists even I'll use the shaman word wise man wise woman wise person um we were like we had that role and we are still here to serve and help and heal just in different ways now compared to where our origins are anchored so uh, no matter whether you're an urban witch or, or someone like me living out, I mean, I'm kind of out in the bush, I'm pretty remote right now, but still near a town, but but a country town, remote town, 
Um, and I was living on a remote island, a little rock in the middle of the Caribbean Sea for the last seven years before coming back to Australia last year. You know, you, you tap into the energies that are innate in your environment and um, I think your magic can be enhanced by doing that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think it's also important to know that sometimes if you're getting supplies or, you know, you're looking at different things in witch shops, um, you know, as I mentioned, just be careful that you're not getting scammed and make sure things are not too good to be true. Uh, to give an example, I was on a you know, beginner witch group uh, a couple weeks ago during a full moon and somebody posted that they made moon water, but they put their crystals inside the water. And when they went out the next morning, the water was this neon pink color and they, they didn't, they didn't know why. And they were completely dumbfounded. Wouldn't that be great if that special effect, that special effect was like, oh, it was fairy dust that came out of the crystal, but it was actually coloring. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And, Mm. And, you know, it, they had never even considered that, the local shop near them would be selling something that wasn't authentic. Um, mm, maybe but, the but, local shop didn't mm-hmm. know. Maybe they were ripped off too. Exactly, exactly. So it's definitely worthwhile to be aware and make sure you, you're not buying something that's not unethical because if you're going to get something, you want to make sure that it was harvested in the best way possible. And and that's how you're really going to ensure that the product that you have is correct, not correct, but the product that you have is is valid and and you know, it's extraordinary even as we're talking about this, because again, I just think back to like when I first was taking my first steps on the path consciously and deliberately, I think I, I was um, always a witch, born a witch. Uh, my relationship with nature and the concept of magic was, I have memories as young as three and five years old, um, feeling that I had this this magical relationship with the earth and that there was a way that, that it spoke to me and I spoke to it and we we made things happen together. I felt that even before I could know anything about witches, it was just, it just felt like this is life. This is how I live. And as I evolved and realized that the path of the witch was the path I was going to be walking, it made, just made even more sense because I anchored it with the memories I had of working natural magic as a child out in the bush where I grew up in Australia in a remote Australian area. But I guess, you know, what I want to offer is that when I hear you talk about someone cleaning their crystals and coming out the next morning and seeing pink water, it's like, I just think, oh my gosh, that definitely wasn't happening then. The fact that we are being targeted as a consumer market and um, and people even bother to make fake crystals is indicative of the, the giant volume of us that are out there. And, you know, I still remember what it was like when you were the only witch in town and now it's like, who doesn't know a proud self-proclaimed witch? It's uh, there's fashion labels that speak for it. It's uh, you know, it's just so interesting how massive it is now, and I think that that is really great, um, and also just very interesting because you know you might look at the phenomenon of TikTok and the billions of hits and and comments and shares and things like billions, not just millions. Good old Instagrams, millions. Facebook is a million, (laughs) and then TikToks, billions, Um, and there's just so much out there. And how do you know, like, the person that's new to the craft or even an adult that's stepping into that digital world and going, oh, geez, you know, this is very different to where I started, like myself, for example. You've got to sort of wade through all of that and go, where's where's the community? Where is the the energy that, that resonates with me? And I did put something in the Teen Magic book and also in my Art of Witch book, 
that came out the year before, which is my manifesto of witchcraft after 30 years of, you know, conscious practicing, um, is that, you know, stick with the witches who make you smile, not frown. Um, don't ever tolerate bullies. And if you, if you're online and, and there's a negative, you know, energy or trolling going on around you, there's don't hesitate to block and delete. You don't have to give, hold space for people like that and energies like that. And you will, there are a lot of amazing, beautiful, um, expansive, magical people and magical communities in the world of uh, online, online community, whatever platform, TikTok, Insta, whatever. Um, sometimes you've got to, you know, your path is laden with obstacles to find that truth, to find that core community. So don't ever be afraid to block and delete and say no and do do it your own way and stick with the witches who make you smile, not frown. Exactly. Not everybody has their best intention, even if, you know, they say they're a witch. That doesn't mean that they're somebody that's going to jive with you. Um, you know, uh, touching upon something that you just mentioned. So this is actually a question that was submitted to me uh, by one of my friends when they found out we were going to be doing this interview. And they wanted to know, you know, when you were on Mad Madhouse, being a witch was considered alternative. And now it's practically mm-hmm. a non-issue for people to be wearing crystals or setting intentions by the new moon or reading tarot or anything else in the witchcraft or witch realm, you could say. Did you ever mm-hmm. think that we'd get here as a society? Um, I love that question and thank you for mentioning Mad Mad House. That was an extraordinary television experiment, I guess, to be a part <laughs> of back in 2004. <laughs> um, and it's amazing to know that it's still out there and occasionally gets repeated on channels like Hulu and stuff like that and people still remember me from it. And you're absolutely right. Back then I was an alternative. I was, you know, the witch was the weirdo. And um, and I, I think in our hearts we always are going to be the weirdos in a way, I would hope, because we're always the ones that just are a little bit left of the centre field or right, whatever side you're going or out there, under there, in there. But um, did I ever think it would get like this? Well, I look back and even before Mad Mad House, when I had my career in music in Australia and I was in a band called Deaf Effects, and from 1991 to 1997, well, 1990 to 97, we were massive. Like we were everywhere, a really big touring band with chart success and we came to America and we, we had two tours there, a big American record deal and, you know, we're kind of everywhere for a little while there um, in the early 90s and I was a witch the whole time but I didn't talk about it. Like uh, it was only my lyrics were magical. You could tell they definitely were witchy um, but it wasn't until the band broke up that I, you know, to use the term, came out of the broom closet and wrote my first book and gave the complete expose. Well, yeah, those witchy lyrics were me being a witch singing about, you know, my magical life in these, you know, electro rock songs, you know, that were in the charts and people didn't really know but they might have had a little taste of it. Um, And and it exploded for me then as my books got successful in Australia particularly and then over in the US uh, in 2000. And I was, you know, Ryan Seacrest was on E! Entertainment Tonight or E! News, that's right, E! News saying Fiona's a witch, she practices Wicca. Like, and I was seeing that back in 2001 and then you get Mad Mad House. So there's been waves of it that I guess are commensurate with the, the, the times. So now with the explosion of social media, which didn't exist back then, in certainly not in the, in the massive way that it does now, um, where it's really taken over people's lives and people are willingly living their lives through the medium of social media. Um, 
if I could have predicted that social media would become such a, you know, determining force in people's lives, then I would have said, well, witchcraft will will increase accordingly. Because I, I just knew that once it, it's meant to grow, it has to happen. This is essential as an expression of the human path and I was the spiritual path. And I was told that when I was on Mad Mad House, I had a, a meditation um, and I had, I've written about this in a couple of books, but what I would call the Christian God of my youth, the, the God of my understanding as I grew, was brought up as a Christian Catholic child, that particular version of God spoke to me during meditation whilst I was on the set of Mad Mad House. And I was sitting out in the garden holding my snake, um, my familiar that was on the show with me. And uh, the, the, the Christian God flew down in front of me in the form of a hawk. So there's a bird, a hawk sitting on the stone wall in front of me. I'm sitting in the garden surrounded by all these trees. And the hawk says to me, Fiona, look at all the trees around you. And I look around at all these different trees. And the hawk says, do you see that all the trees are the same but different? And I noticed, yes, they're, they're trees, but there's great diversity of species. There was an oak tree, a wattle tree, a gum tree. There was a jacaranda tree. There were many different types of trees around me in this big garden, um, but they were all essentially trees. And I said, I understand. I said to the hawk, I'm still sitting there, this bird, and I said, I understand. And the hawk said, do you understand that the survival of the tree depends on its diversity? And I said, yes, I do. Um because that's true too, you know, like the, the survival of any species depends on its diversity. And um, and then, uh, sorry, the survival of anything depends on its diversity, like tree, to, tree and the species of trees. So I said, I understand. And so the hawk, and let's not forget that this is speaking in a voice that I would have thought once was the Christian God of my understanding of my youth. Um, so the hawk says to me, so it is with my love, my survival depends on the diversity of my love. So now then I'm contemplating, okay, this is the Christian God talking to me saying that the God that I was told was the one and only and and if you worship any other God, you're damned to hell. And this very, you know, singular notion of what God is, is telling me that his survival depends on diversity. So the hawk goes, so it is with my love. My survival depends on the diversity of my love. Every spiritual path is an instrument and when they played, they become a symphony, a symphony of the soul and that is my voice, the voice of God. So go back and tell everyone in the house this. And what had been going on in Mad Mad House and the producers had really been encouraging it was a big religious slash spiritual path debate, trying to pit everyone against each other, the Catholic girl against the witch, the the Muslim against the voodoo priestess. It was like this whole they thought this would create drama and create good television. So the Christian God flies down in the form of a hawk and tells me that his survival depends on the diversity of his love and uh, and actually all our spiritual and religious paths are essential instruments to play in order for the idea of a divine presence to exist in our experience as humans, to exist at all in the universe. And um, so I went back and told everyone in the house and, of course, they didn't run that in the show. They oh, no. It but it, well, but the thing was it, it stopped all the fighting immediately and the producers then came to me and said, you, what you said the other night's ruined the show. No one's arguing anymore. We need more drama. So I decided to invoke the dark goddess for them, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> As one but, does. Uh, but, but seriously, it was like I put that 
that part of that information has appeared in a few books I've written most and it is in teen magic and it is in art of witch because I think it's a really important message that as witches we know that we must play our instruments you know we are essential to the voice of god divine presence that that is that which is you know and uh I use the god word as just just a word to describe because it f- flew down in the form of the hawk but it was talking about everything, everything that is divine, everything that we would seek to experience as witches, living a magical life, living a meaningful life, a life of service to ourselves and others and the planet. What is magic after all, if it's not that? Oh, I love that. That That's absolutely beautiful. I, you know, it's the meditative experiences like that. You know, I, I've had similar ones as well, where that that's that's the real magic right there. You know, getting mm-hmm. those those messages from, it could be from a deity, it can be from, you know, your higher self, whatever you'd like to call it. Or even spirit that's crossed over, like um, having having spirit come and speak to you. You know, it's... Uh, that in, in a way special. that you can you can hear with your human ears and consciousness you know it's like that that uh I've had spirit present where I've actually heard the words in my ears you know and uh it's always those times where you you know they don't happen every day and they might not happen every year even but when they happen it's time doesn't exist and doesn't matter and they're fundamental shifts you know um and I think you know now I'm in my I've lived on the planet more than half a century in this physical form and I can have the perspective to reflect back on this journey and, and consider it right now and could hear and, and where potentially it could expand or go in the future beyond this present moment. And um, I always think it's those, it's not all, all day, every day sort of stuff. It's those really potent moments that, that kind of jump out at you when you're really not expecting it. They're often the ones that are the most profound and beautiful and enhance your craft as a witch and they can act as a I mean I, I've always kept a re- record of my practice whether it's having 14 books published about about it all or um or actually <laughs> my own journals you know I've kept every journal I've ever written from the age of seven and uh they all have magical tidbits in them and I can go back and weave them together and it's like the map that shows me my life my journey as a witch so I really encourage people um even in this digital age to write stuff down Keep a record, keep a journey, allow yourself perspective from that, you know, and offer that to others if you think it can be useful. Definitely. And, you know, I, I've had I've had things said to me in meditative state or states where, you know, I knew that that wasn't something I came up with and, and they've been so impactful. I've actually gotten something um, ordered off of Etsy with that phrase in it to put into a journal because mm. uh, it, it meant so much to me. It was such a personal moment. But, you know, for those who are listening to this and may not subscribe to a deity or a higher self or a spirit, um, you know, for those who might be more on the atheist side, um, you know, you can also translate this into thinking that your your personal craft doesn't need to look like everyone else's. And honestly, if it's your own personal witchcraft, it shouldn't look like anyone else's. It's your magic. Exactly. It's your practice. And exactly. it's okay and if it doesn't look like like everyone on Instagram. <laughs> In fact, no, it really exactly. shouldn't. <laughs> and it's interesting you mentioned the word atheist. Um, I considered myself an atheist witch for a very, very long time um, until about uh, nine years ago. Um, I had some very interesting shifts in perspective and communications with, with sources that I determine as a deity-like source. Um, but prior to that, 
I I was I consider myself an atheist witch, and I would look at the gods and goddesses as contracts constructs and expressions, more like stories, to explain the the human condition as it evolved in different cultural, socio cultural times and um, expressions of humanity on the planet. Um, but they didn't make it any less magical. It was just a different way of relating to it that was um, different to how I relate now. And I have had you know what I consider in my my experience of life um, tangible communication with sources of uh, presence that are not of my own thought and I uh, find them to me they're sacred and you know the high power of my understanding so to speak so um, but yeah I think it's in, it was interesting to cross that bridge from being an atheist which into actually having a relationship with the divine that I consider non-atheist now <laughs> so but there's I have a lot of respect for everyone and, and as you say like the the path it says it in Art of Witch too like there's a, a kind of a poem I wrote you know that could be considered maybe a touchstone for witches but the path we forge is the path we tread it's forge your path and tread it own it I love that uh, so Fiona, um, you know, what's next for you after this book? Do you have any more books on the horizon or maybe another deck? Well, I mean, I, I kind of thought I've really, I've felt like I've said everything that needs to be said right now, um, with books being 14 into them and especially, you know, the last three of these last five years being, you know, an autobiography, a manifesto and a, a guide to witchcraft for newcomers. I mean, I feel like I've said enough right now. There's so much other amazing stuff out there. I'm just very grateful to have revisited it as an elder, you know, as someone who's, when I wrote my first book, I'd only been on the path for, don't even know, not even 10 years and now it's been decades. So, you know, I just, uh, but, you know, I, I have got um, a couple of other card projects coming up um, that are, that I'm happy to be doing with Rockpool. And I think it's there, I, I'm enjoying touching on the world of divination or offering, offering something's more correct, I guess it, in the world of divination as it's always been one of my favorite tools of my craft divination like reading tarot specifically but now creating these oracle decks so I will be doing an oracle deck for teens for young witches but I'll even use the provocative term baby witches because they've owned it um <laughs> so that is they've claimed it so I mean so yeah I'm gonna do that and uh but I'm really excited to be doing music again. I started out in music. I mentioned that earlier with my band Deaf Effects in the 90s and more recently I've had the opportunity to create music again with a band called Sea Witch, which is a creation of my partner David and my uh, forging that we kind of reunited. We dated 30 years ago. I was in an all-girl punk band called The Mothers and David was in a band called The Hellman and back then in the 80s we used to share the same stage and ultimately jumped into bed together as you do and um, we had quite a we studied natural medicine at nature naturopathy college as well um, and we were sort of hanging out on stage in college and back in the 80s and then our paths went in opposite directions my band I got into another band FFX and got very popular as as we've talked about took me touring around the world in Australia and David actually finished his naturopathy course became a naturopath and moved back to his hometown of Western Australia, which is on the other side of Australia where we met. Um, and uh, he got married and raised a family, beautiful family, three kids, and worked as a naturopath for the last 30 years, still doing music locally. So the kind of the changes in the world, last year I was flying airplanes in the Caribbean for a job. Um, and uh, I've been living in the US for 20 years and I have a US passport now. I'm a, I'm, I have dual citizenship. and I. Uh, but David reached out to me as the 
lockdowns started in March through social media. He sent me a message on Instagram and I had just kind of lost my job. I was supposed to start this new job flying another airplane, but lockdowns ended that job and took away that opportunity and didn't look like it was coming back. As you'd know, all, all planes in the world were grounded there for a while. And I certainly at the level I am in aviation lost my job. And he invited me to move to Australia, back to Australia. I haven't been back here for 20 years pretty much other than short visits and to be with him. And so we thought we'll take another chance on love. It was 30 years on and I've been here with him for a year and uh, we write music together now. And the band we've created is called Sea Witch and it's very heavy rock, kind of doom stoner rock with very magical lyrics because I've sourced them all out of my Book of Shadows, my personal journals, and a lot of the spells that are that I wove together to put in Teen Magic are actually in the songs of Sea Witch. So I would love all witches and magical people out there, especially who like heavy rock, doom, stoner rock, to um, check it out. And uh, our band's called Sea Witch. Uh, the website is seawitchtheband.com. And um, we have uh, songs streaming on Spotify, iTunes. You can get it through any of the streaming platforms. Our first single is called Witch Hunt. And um, it's the video uh, that was filmed where we live in the southwest of Australia, a very beautiful area, um, tells the story of the sea witch who reverses curses and helps heal so that everyone can be free to love who they choose. And that's the song. Um, the lyrics are on the spell book on our website, seawitchtheband.com. And, yeah, if you can see the video right there, stream it on Spotify. The link's right there. And um, I hope people dig it. I hope witches enjoy that there's um, a very dedicated witch band out there with me fronting it again, um, playing guitar again. And, um, yeah, it's really it's fun. It's a privilege. And uh, we're kind of getting quite a bit of success traction in Australia just as being a rock band, um, let alone having this magical edge to us. So just another way for our our craft to be out there and being expressed. Uh, there's lots of great pagan and witch-oriented bands and witch-fronted bands out there, and we're one of the latest ones, Sea Witch. Well, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm definitely going to need to check out the band. Uh, I'm definitely also looking forward to the Oracle deck as well that's coming up. Uh, I, I'm personally really into Oracle myself. I always told myself if there was ever – any sort of thing I would ever publish, I would love to publish an Oracle deck because i that's my primary use of divination. Mm. I have this deck that's very near and dear to me. So who knows what the future holds? <laughs> well, you know, you can just uh, make, you can manifest it if you like. Every thought tends to happen in some capacity. So, um, you know, the fact you've even just voiced that to someone who's published and you've got a successful podcast, I think I don't have to be that psychic to predict that you will have your own Oracle deck. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to see we'll have to see what the future holds um but yeah no this has been this has been such a fantastic interview fiona uh, i want to ask you one last question of course i want to ask you one last question that i ask everybody who comes on the show and that is if you had one piece of advice for somebody who is brand new just starting out in the craft what would you tell them mm. i would tell them the same thing now that i told people 30 years ago when i first sort of talked openly about being a modern witch trust your path trust your gut and the, the craft exists to as I've come to understand it the craft exists not as some kind of hierarch, hierarchical journey where you've got to you know you I will offer this if you're initiated into a coven with a set way of practice and a set way of, of working magic then it is your 
choice and role to work within the coven and work through the levels and the layers of learning to reach the the positions within the coven. Um, and that is something to be very much respected and acknowledged and that's your choice if you are initiated into a coven and choose to work with a coven. Um, and if that's how the coven is uh, structured, then you work within that realm and accordingly. Um, however, if you're an eclectic solitary witch or someone new to the craft or just someone who's dabbling a bit and not sure of what, I would offer trust your gut, trust your instinct and um, be open to doing things a little differently to how you might be reading it in one of my books even. Be prepared to explore. I think ultimately what explore and experiment and uh, do it your way. At the same time, I think our strength as a magical community, it lies in our diversity, much like that you know, the Christian God who flew down in the hawk and said that to me, our strength lies in our diversity. We are all unique and individuals. Um, however, we have enough in common to unite us and our strength lies in respecting our diversity and honouring each other's right to practice and forge our craft in the way that we seek uh, to express it or we feel um, drawn to express it. And don't be afraid to change just because you did it one way a month ago or a year ago, don't be afraid to do it a little differently this time. You might be very non-structured and very fluid and very intuitive and then one day go, ah, no, I want to be initiated into an Alexandrian coven and I would, you know, say, good, do that. Definitely some sound advice. I love that. Yeah, I I completely agree with everything that you said. Uh, So, Fiona, if uh, people wanted to find you on social media, how could they get in touch? Well, I think the easiest way to connect with me um, is to go to my website and that's my personal website is simply Fiona Horn. Dot com f-i-o-n-a-h-o-r-n-e.com uh, I do I do the website myself I've been doing it for a really long time and it's got all my links to my socials I'm actually on Instagram at Captain Fifi a little nod to my flying career Captain Fifi um, I'm on Facebook as uh, Fiona Horn official but if you go to fionahorn.com the links to my socials are there um, all the information about what I'm doing right now, my different books and things, my music, see which is right there. Um, so if you want to connect with me, go to fionahorn.com. Don't forget to check out seewitchtheband.com. I do my very best to reply to every email, every comment. I'm one human. I don't have a team of people helping me. I find sometimes it's funny when people write to me and say, well, if Fiona Horn reads this, and I'm thinking, well, who else is going to read it? I'm right here. It's my feed. It's my whatever. But I understand a lot of times people can employ others to run their websites and socials. I don't. I do it all myself. Sometimes it might take me over a month to get back to you, but I do my very, very best to reply to everything. And I'm grateful that people um, want to reach out and connect with me. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's the best way to do it, fionahorn.com and band. Dot com. Definitely. And don't forget to, of course, check out Fiona's new book, Teen Magic, Witchcraft for a New Generation. Uh, and if you can, definitely get it from your local bookstore. <laughs> yes, it's out, it's out there in local bookstores, online, all of that. But definitely if you can get out of the house and go down or order it from the local bookstore, support local and um, keep our small and mid- middle-sized businesses functioning in these extraordinary times as we're, everyone's just kind of, you know, experiencing a very different way of living. Support your local and help help these small um, businesses survive in these difficult times. 
Exactly. And as always, you guys can find me on social media. I'm on Twitter at Seek Witchcraft, Instagram at Seeking Witchcraft. I have a Facebook page called Seeking Witchcraft Podcast or a Facebook group called Witches Seeking Witchcraft. And if you are interested in supporting the show, you can find me on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Seeking Witchcraft. So again, thank you, Fiona, so much for coming on. I mean, this was such a lovely conversation. I, I really enjoyed speaking with you today. And again, definitely check out her book. I went through it myself and I, I really love the topics and, and the things that are in here. And I loved the insight about how some of the lyrics are based off the spells in the book for your band. I thought that was really special. <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, if, if anyone's yeah listening to Sea Witch and they have Team Magic in their hand, they're going to go, oh, hello. But don't forget there's a spell book on the seawitchtheband.com website, which is, is all the lyrics to the songs as they're woven together. So I think, you know, witches or anyone that's kind of tapping into um, that uh, idea of creating change with spell work and ritual um, we'll enjoy the spell book on the seawitchtheband.com website. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening, and I'll catch you all very soon. Bye. Bye. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.